Welcome back. It's Doable Discipleship again. I'm Doug Jones, and Jason, I couldn't yeah. help but notice you're here with me today. I do happen to be here with you today. Yeah. It's not an illusion. Thanks for rejoining. It's been a couple weeks. It has. Three? Four? Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends what timeline you're, you're yeah. thinking of. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. We're continuing today and moving our discussion forward. If you've been listening to the past several weeks, since we launched, actually, we've been looking at Mark 1230, and we've been looking at Jesus' giving of the Great Commandment. And he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, uh, which is really the premise of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth here at Saddleback. We are big fans of what we call whole person discipleship. Whole person, yeah. And as you heard us say in the first episode with Rob, uh, it's, it's the idea that Jesus was saying not that heart, soul, mind, and strength are four important areas necessarily. He wasn't just saying that. He was going as far as to say those four things are you. Those make you up. Yeah. And so at Saddleback, we want to make sure that we, we care for people and that we attend to the total person. So that's what we say. We say whole person discipleship. We talk about heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, it may not be something that you have thought of before. I know, like, when we had first started as a team and talking about it, we were like, oh, that's, like, that's there. Like, <laughs> Jesus is pretty clear. Yeah. Heart, soul, mind, strength. So trying to think of in- intentionally about what are these areas. Yeah. You know, yeah. We didn't have to sit around and go, like, what kind of discipleship scheme should we use? Yeah, or what kind exactly. of acronym? We're just, Jesus said it already. He just laid yeah, it all yeah. out. So it makes it super easy. We spent the last few weeks having some great conversations with great leaders and pastors here at Saddleback on different ways that you can engage your heart into your relationship with God. And if you missed any of that, you need to just go back and listen to those. Don't even bother continuing today. It's all there. Come it's back. It's just a few episodes. Do but, come back. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying don't ever come back. <laughs> Uh, but do go listen to those first because these are going to build on each other. And if you miss the heart the heart part of the conversation, then you're really just missing out on what's going to end up being like a quarter of the talk because we're talking about heart, soul, mind, strength. You miss yeah. heart, you've missed a big chunk. So just don't do that. Go back and listen to those and then come back and pick up with us today. Today, we're moving over to the soul. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. This was a challenge as we sat down and thought through this. It was a little bit is a little tough. Yeah, if only we had turned on the audio recorders and some cameras for our conversations <laughs> about what to talk about uh, today and just our overview conversation of the soul. So yeah. kind of, you know, how, how each of these works, we did it with heart, is we just had a conversation about heart and what it means to love God with all your heart, um, kind of as a broad view. And then we had some interviews with some other pastors digging into how to do this in different ways. Yeah. We're going to do the same thing with soul and hopefully with mind and, and strength, but... You know, so this episode right now is just a conversation, an overview about soul, yeah. which led us to go, okay, how do we talk about soul? What well, is it? <laughs> yeah, it was tough because you have some people, you have some, like you look at one commentary or you look at one article, you look at one thing and it says, look, <clears throat> soul is a very distinctive thing. Yeah. It's different from spirit. Some say spirit and soul are the same thing. Some say there are subtle differences. Some say they're entirely different. It gets into like some really tough territory. You can find the, answers all over the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Bible just isn't ultra clear about exactly what the soul is, like what what makes that up. Uh, but there are a few things that the Bible is pretty clear about on that I think we can kind of rally around. Yeah. And ultimately, it's just about getting down to some doable steps for you. So how do you engage your soul in your relationship with Jesus? We'll talk about that. But first, yep. let's just indulge in a little bit of the interesting talk. A little bit about what we can say about yeah. about the soul. What we, what we know for sure. Exactly. Without so, hitting the table. Without hitting the table <laughs> too hard. I get adamant about this. Um, <laughs> so the first thing that we want to say is the soul... It's a, it, it is, it is you, it, it, it is you, right? So if you say I have a soul, 
it's it, that's not what we're getting at, right? Because that that I that you have just said that I have a soul, the I is that you. That's yeah. that's the soul part. So it's very different than saying I have a body, or I have fingernails, or I have finger. Yeah, exactly. I have something that is specific apart. You know, but but it is I. I am my soul. My soul is me. Yeah. It is you. Um, a few a few weeks ago, I, it was a message. I think in January actually is when it was. Um, my pastor Tom Holiday said. Um, he said you like. It is what makes you you, is what he said when he was talking about the soul. Hmm. So, so that's a very distinctive part of it. Yeah, it, it it is that part that recognizes, you know, this is who I am. Yeah. Well, it seems like right? I'm just thinking too about a lot of the biblical language refers to the body as like a resource. It's a thing that you have at your disposal. It's yeah. a thing that you manipulate that you use. Look at me now. It's a tool. <laughs> it's a it's a tool. It's a thing that you've exactly. that you got and. Um, it's referred to a lot as something that you have and that you ought to use for God's glory. Yeah. Whereas the soul is different because as you were saying, the soul is you. So <laughs> it's, it's easy to say, to say I have a body, but to say I have a soul is just a total, it doesn't just make makes sense. no sense. Makes yeah. no sense at all. The soul is not what you have. It's, it's who it's you who are. It's who you are. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. One, one other thing that we know is that the soul is immaterial. We know that the soul is not, a f- as far as we know, as far as science is able to detect, it's not a physical substance uh, in any real sense of the word, like yeah. you're, you're not going to, um, you're not going to detect a soul in an MRI. You're like you're not going to come out of an X-ray machine and the doctor's going to go like, well, your soul is fractured. And I've heard of ex- I've heard of experiments where a scientist has tried has weighed a person, like as they're alive, and then weighed them when they died and tried to see if there was a change. Yeah. <laughs> like the soul leaving the body. That's crazy. It's crazy. Like it's, yeah. Maybe it's a little heavier because the soul's kind of buoyant. <laughs> oh, the, the dead body's the actually key. heavier. Actually, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, pretty interesting. Yes. Yeah, so people try to quantify soul, or and oh, it just, we're already off script. Or they, or, <laughs> or they Here start, or they uh, think of the soul in terms of they they blend soul and mind, and yep. they they start thinking of the soul uh, like if you're just if you're just sort of a like a secular humanist, or you, or you don't really believe in anything that's beyond what we can detect with our scientific mm-hmm. instruments, they kind of chalk the soul up to just brain states and brain processes, and that all that we interpret as the soul is just stuff that's happening up here in our brain. <clears throat> and so there's different ways of seeing that. Um, but what the Bible teaches super clearly is that is that there is something that's a part of us that is independent from our body, Yeah. that, that the soul is me, that this, what you see, or the vibrations coming through this windpipe are coming from a physical <laughs> sure. expression of me, but they're not me. This yeah. is not me. Yeah, the Bible's very clear about that, about the yeah. distinction between body and soul. Yeah. Um, so so that's what we're going to kind of hunker down on a bit today, is that distinction. Yeah. Um, because it, it can get varied from there, as Doug mentioned a little earlier, but we're not going to go that far. Maybe in a later yeah. episode, we'll we'll really hash out. You can hear how um, tempted we are by it. Stuff. <laughs> As I said, our conversations in preparing for this episode got well, it was a lot of hmm, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Think deeper about that. Yeah, um, we'll, so we'll save not, some of that energy. Not for, for the scope one. of this episode. This is an overview. Yeah. Um, so as Doug said, the soul is immaterial. Um, I will add to that that the soul is eternal. Hmm. When the body dies. Right, the soul survives as God knit you in your mother's womb. If you look at it, Psalm one thirty nine, He knew that your soul, what He was doing, was going to last forever. He, as as He thought of you, He He knew that your soul, who you are, 
is going to last for eternity. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, that, that not one not one person ever created by God ceased yeah. to exist. No. Like God God made all of of humankind to exist for eternity. And ultimately to be in relationship with him for eternity. We'll yeah. get into that a little bit more in a minute. That is a trip to think about. Yeah. And 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 that's one of the big takeaways not only from the Christian life, but from our conversation about soul and what it means to love God with all of your soul, is it's 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 the eternal part of you that yeah. is that is one that is 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 longing for relationship with God and loving God. Mm. But just having that in the back of your mind, I am going to live forever. Yeah. I want to do that in relationship with my creator. Yeah. Like, that's a big thing. That's a big deal. Yeah. Paul Paul reinforced that um the whole distinction between body and soul too, where he talks about being absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, yeah. which is kind of reinforces this idea that there's there's a you that exists independently of your body. And when your body goes, when your body's in the ground, when your body is is no more, that there is still there's still you. Yeah. That doesn't mean the end of you. Yeah, you don't go away. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, because the soul is eternal. <clears throat> and then there's a whole long range conversation about Oh. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Not today, but one There's day. There's a tease. All right. <laughs> moving forward, uh, let's just talk a little bit about why why the soul is important, because Jesus puts it in the big four. He says yep. heart, soul, mind, strength. The soul is, the big is really up there. It's really, really important. We'll talk a little bit about why. Um, and you hinted to it just a second ago. Basically, the idea that the soul is us, and God made us in in a desire for a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Like God created human beings because he desired relationship with creatures other than himself. And it wasn't that he needed that. Uh, it wasn't that he was lonely or anything like that. But the Bible just tells us it gave God pleasure to create. God is a creative God. It's part of what he does. Take a quick moment right now as you're listening or watching or whatever, because that truth is so impactful. Yeah. Just the fact that God did not need us. Yeah. He wanted us he wanted you and yeah. he made you specifically to be in a relationship with you yeah and and just the very idea that we who often feel like such insignificant creatures were made in order to bring joy to god yeah like god derives pleasure from a relationship with human beings yeah. so if you ever feel like i'm not important or i'm like a waste of space or i'm not good at anything or whatever just stop for a second and remind yourself that you were created specifically by God in order to have a relationship with him. He deemed you worthy of creating and in creating you desired relationship with you. That's that he just deemed it's you worthy of creating. To, That's to, a great line. It's so thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I just but love that. There, I don't think there's anything that could possibly dignify the human life more than that yeah. God chose to create that person because he desired a relationship with that person. Totally. That's huge. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I pulled us away a little no, bit, no, no. but that's important. <laughs> and so so the soul we can think of is really the, the because it's sort of the 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 core of us in, in some ways, the soul is kind of like the part of us that's made to interlock with God, that God desires relationship with us, mm-hmm. and that it's really the soul, it's, the, it's the, 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 the core of us that God really wants to connect with. And so the soul is really, uh, uh, is really, really, unique to each person and is really kind of the the center of being <clears throat> and think of like uh like we think of like the distinction between body and soul as we were talking about like it wouldn't matter even if we were all completely physically identical yeah. that god still created us unique on a completely different level which is at the soul level yeah. that we're made for a relationship with him 
Uh, and that, and that the flip side of that is that within the human soul, we find this in personal experience. We find this throughout history. We certainly find it in the Bible, but we find that human beings have a longing for the transcendent. They have a longing that that seems to go down all the way to the root of their being to to draw near to God. And while a lot of people deny it completely, there are people that completely deny the existence of God or any draw toward Him. But it still it still seeps out of each and every one of us in ten thousand ways. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in our, our perceptions about morality, our our, our philosophical stance on, stances on things, uh, our desire to see good triumph over evil. Like there are a lot of things that seem so built into the to the deep down not even DNA, <laughs> we use DNA all the time yeah, to talk yeah. about like the essence of things, but it's actually beneath that, yeah, that draws us to God. And um, I love what Psalm 42, one through two says, it says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with him? Love that. <clears throat> so there's that's a longing a that's described here. Um, and I think it's a longing that we all share. Mm-hmm. And what we're gonna talk about a little bit later is how we sort of, cooperate with that longing of our soul to move toward God and dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. Why don't you take us take us away from there? Yeah, so let's go back. Let's go, you know, way, way back to the Garden of Eden. Time machine. Time machine style right here. We're going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We won't say how long. We won't say how long. We won't get <laughs> into that. That's a difficult conversation. <laughs> but we're Several gonna, years. Just, you know, so just picture this, okay? Picture this place in your mind, right? God has created a a paradise, a perfect place where man, who he made, man and woman, can be in naked, naked. Yes, <laughs> can be naked. Well, yes, and be in relationship with God. Yeah, like, and not and not some sort of you know other relationship, but like literally, they God was walking through the garden. Yeah, like, so think about that, right? So, the, so God made humans to have unhindered relationship with Him. Yeah, that's what was going on in Eden, right? Yeah, like picture picture the Earth, which because of all of our yeah. personal experience, we think of as a fallen place, a beautiful place that still bears a lot of you know God's beautiful exactly. handiwork, but a fallen and troublesome place. But getting out of that, just trying to even picture the Earth as the perfect thing that God created, that that He declared was. Good and yeah. even very good. He doesn't make anything imperfect. That's exactly. I, I right. mean, yeah. As as God, he he made the earth. He called it good. He made man. He placed it in this garden. He said that was good. Yeah. He was happy with. He, he was happy with what he made. Yeah. He was happy with the way that we had relationship with him in that garden. Yeah. You had, you had God's creation. You had the beings that God created, and you had God in perfect harmony. Yes. Ah man. Right, <laughs> I look forward to that <laughs> someday. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then sin entered the world. Yeah. Right. That's putting it lightly. We totally screwed up. We botched it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We thought, you know, this could be better. Yeah. <laughs> for for whatever reason. Yeah. Mankind did what it does, yeah. and basically just said, you know, I want it my way, um, and you know, ate the fruit. Whatever, you know, disobeyed God. Essentially rejected God, God, rejected God as <laughs> yeah, our king. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and so now we live on, in this tension. There's this tension mm. that, that has existed and will exist yeah. a, until Christ returns. And it's, going, it's, this, and it's this tension between the, the earthly desires, our flesh, if you will, and 
the soul and its its desire for a relationship with God. Yeah, it's that a deer panting. You know, it, it longs for it longs for the water. But there's there's this element of our sinful nature that tries to yank us away yeah. from relationship with God. So now there is this tension. It, it's there. So our relationship with God was reestablished by Jesus. Yeah, as he as he you know he died on the cross, made this possible. Yeah. So what we're not so we should probably stop there and say Clarify. what we're not talking about here is that the relationship between us and God isn't reestablished because yeah. the relationship is is completely reestablished through Christ. Good right? thing so, to clarify. So that. there's a. He's he's completely he's flung the door open as it were exactly. or torn the curtain to use like the temple language yeah. but there's no longer there's no longer a divide between us and God that cannot be bridged. Yes. Jesus bridged that gap. But what we do have is the tension between the the new creation that we're being made into uh-huh. through Christ through the Holy Spirit who lives in us and and the sin nature the old nature which Paul always refers to as the flesh seems a lot of New Testament language refers to sin as being contained within the flesh largely yeah um, and so he even uses the the Greek word which just means flesh or body yeah. again and again and again in his writings but we've got this tension between being dragged toward the concerns of this world and toward gratifying our own desires and being drawn because we're image bearers of God and by his Holy Spirit drawn toward closer relationship with him. And so there's this, there's, there's a, a push and there's a, there's a tugging. It's a tug of war <laughs> in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Paul. He, he says this perfectly. It's this yeah. perfect explanation in Romans chapter seven. It says, he says, I don't really understand myself. Maybe you have felt this too. I have certainly felt this. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, and I know that nothing good lives in me, and that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Yeah. That is, I mean, I'm sure we've all been there. We've all felt this, and it's just a perfect encapsulation and honest, you know, look into that tug of war that is going on. It basically sums up, it, it, it sums up, Almost what feels like the human experience. It is. It's the exact human experience if you're looking at it from the spiritual level yeah. of of what is going on inside every day. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that you know we face spiritual battles every day. Yeah. And that's what's and that's a big part of what's going on is this inner yeah. inner back and forth. Yeah. Man, that's good. I love those words because it kind of sets us all free in a sense. We, if you if you ever get down on yourself for like, man, I keep, I keep tripping over the same temptations or I keep dealing yeah. with the same sins or I keep, I, I'm fighting, but I'm losing some of the time. Uh, and then you feel like, oh, I bet other Christians or I bet other people aren't dealing with the same kind of stuff as I'm dealing with. Well, actually, yes, we all are. Yeah. I, I think that's what I love about what Paul's saying here is that it applies to everybody. We all deal with this struggle. If mm-hmm. we're trying to follow Christ and we're living in this world, in this life, we are caught in this crossfire. We're caught in between these two things. Yeah. And it's interesting because it seems it almost feels like there's, there's just enough tension there for us to choose, you know? Like, we're not pulled hopelessly in one direction. Like, God God will let you make the choices that you want in terms of the direction of your life and whether or not you'll you'll decide to deepen your relationship with Him. Yeah. And He'll also let you go and chase after the stuff of the world if you choose to do that. So you're kind of, we're caught in the middle, and what's really left is what we decide to do, the kinds of things that we decide to, to, yeah, to do. Yeah, looking back... And I mentioned earlier how Pastor Tom, he shared a message in January and talked about this. He even says, you know, Jesus was tempted. Yeah. 
you know, he had this sort of turmoil, but yeah. he was perfect and, and, and did not give in to that temptation. Yeah. But the temptation was still there. He felt the human experience in, 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 in what was going on, but he chose, you know, the right path. And he, he chose, you know, the soul path, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. And it's, he plowed it's the way. Yeah, he told <laughs> us like, this can actually be done. Yeah. This can actually be done. And that's why, and we don't have it here, but what Paul says, if you go past verse 19 mm-hmm. in Romans 7, is he says, paraphrasing, like, what can we do about this? Yeah. Like, what a hopeless man I am. Totally. But then he ends with rejoicing, but thank God, through the power of Jesus Christ, I can overcome. And that's where it comes back to. That's yeah. always where it comes back to. Yeah. yeah. So let's spend kind of the rest of our time talking about uh, how we can align our souls with God because this is really what we're building up to. This is doable discipleship. So let's talk about some doable stuff. And to kind of ramp up to that, what we want to what we want to lean on and what we do pretty much all the time on the spiritual maturity team is we lean on time-tested spiritual disciplines that we know will produce the kind of outcomes that we want. Yeah. The kinds of things that Jesus did. In fact, pretty much everything that we're going to talk about today in terms of habits are things that we know Jesus did. Oh, yeah. We know he practiced these things and many others. Uh, so we're going to talk about a few things that you can do uh, in the very short term, like today or this week, or, or things that you can get started on right away to start deepening the bond between you and God, which is, that, that's what soul practices that we're going to be talking about today really do. They deepen and encourage and strengthen the bond, that interlocking that we talked about earlier between you and God. Yeah, and then over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into the, some of these a little deeper and really yeah. get to the heart of, of some of the things we're about to just touch on. Yeah, with some some experts that really yeah. really know how to do it. So so these are the the time-tested spiritual disciplines that we know will help uh, bond us at the soul level to God a little bit more. And and we said earlier that Paul talks about the flesh and a lot of what I've, as I look at soul practices that we do and that we really urge people to do here at Saddleback and that we try to do as a team, they, it's funny that all the soul practices end up with you doing something with your body. Like they all end yeah. up with you orienting your body in a certain way or sometimes even depriving your body in a certain way. Like, and, and it'll make more sense as we go, but you know, all the things that we talk about it have to do with positioning your body in a way that makes you receptive to God. Um, so it's kind of interesting that we're actually trying, we're using the body and we're actually subduing the body, to use a little bit more of Paul's language, we're subduing the body, sacrificing the body as a gift to God, and then we're, 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 we're using it as a tool to encourage our, our spiritual or soul bond with him. Yeah, one of the terms that we used a lot when we were talking about it, I don't think it made it into you know, our, our notes for today, but was uh, recalibrating. Oh yeah, and uh, so and a big part of that is it's putting the body back in its proper place. Yeah, you know it's um, so that's a, a if you're mechanical, that might be a way to think about this. It's recalibrating, you know, our soul and our and our body yeah. to be in its proper uh, its proper place with each yeah. other. That's totally. There, there can sometimes be a huge discrepancy between the body and soul. You know, yeah. like if like, you're paying no attention to your soul, it's like you're not feeding it in any way. The you soul know, can it's be being malnourished. Yeah. Yeah, the soul can be withering while, of course, the soul doesn't die. We've already covered that. But the yeah. soul can be withering in its bond with God and and sort of, um, it can be sort of languishing away from its creator while at the same time, your body could be in the best shape it's ever been. Like mm-hmm. you, you can be disciplined with your body, but be undisciplined with your soul. And as a result, be experiencing a lot of spiritual level unhealth because of that. Sure. Um, so the, the body's not always a perfect indicator. And, and, and likewise... Um, sometimes there there can be expressions of worship or things like that that maybe aren't even real. Maybe they're just exterior only, but they're not actually getting down to the soul level. So the soul and body interact. There's a definite bond there, 
but sometimes there's there are some discrepancies. I think I think that's a big thing, and it'll kind of come into as we as we talk about these doable steps. But <clears throat> you can't cheat on your soul, like like you know, because your soul, it's that relationship with God. What we were talking about, you can't cheat on that because God knows, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So so you can't say, well, I'm doing this, I'm feeding my soul, and really not caring because you're really not then feeding your soul yeah. because. You know, because that comes from, it comes from God, and that God yeah. knows. <laughs> yeah, you can have all the outward trappings exactly. of a devoted follower of Jesus, but 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 be really sh- lukewarm on the inside. It's just a know? shell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, look at Matthew sixteen twenty four with us. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "Who uh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me." So getting back to that denial of the body kind of idea, which is going to make more sense as we as we talk through these. Real quickly, I know we're really belaboring this before we even get into the list, like we keep teasing you. It's not like this crazy list of secret things or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's not a big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one last thing we want to say is that this is not an exhaustive list. So by no means are we saying the few things that we're going to mention today, because we're just mentioning a couple, because it's got to be doable. We don't want to just hit you with this slew of possible things that you can do and just daunt you with it and that kind of thing. We're just going to give you a few. This is not an exhaustive list. There is a huge, practically infinite list of things that you can do to to reinforce your bond with God. Today, we're just going to touch on a few. So you don't have to like email us or anything and say, you forgot this or that or the other. We know. (laughs) All right. Uh, why don't you start us off? Okay, so the first thing, and it might be the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, it's probably the most common thing is just acts of worship. Mm. Is 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 getting yourself into a place of worship, and that doesn't always have to mean like on the weekends in service, singing songs. Yeah. I guess you can worship that way. That's a great way. That's a great way to worship. I I love that. I love doing that. But there are other ways to worship. It's a Mm. posture that you take. Um, You know, um, we'll talk about some more ways, and all of these kind of encapsulate what it is to worship God. Mm. Um, But next time that you are singing some worship music in the car or, you know, or at church or whatever, I'd say, just because this is some doable steps, intentionally think about what you are doing, yeah, right? Yeah. It, it, it is your focusing on that connection that you have with God, on that soul part. Um, mm-hmm. it's, take, it's taking that time and it's saying thank you. It's praising him. It's worshiping him. Yeah. Um, so that's a great way to do it. We, you know, at, at Saddleback have um, nights of worship um, every now and then. And mm-hmm. those are great times. It's taking the time out of your week and saying, I, I want to go this night, a uh, Thursday night or whatever it is, and spend two hours just w- worshiping God. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'd encourage you to, t- uh, to take advantage of that the next time we have those. They're, they're great experiences. Yeah. you have anything to add to? Well, I think <clears throat> you talked about uh, nights of worship, which are kind of a bonus opportunity to go yeah, and, yeah. and really, and, and, and for us to worship together as a family all in one place, or, or at least a lot of us in one place. Um, but I think this is a great, this is an opportunity to do what Jesus said, deny yourself and follow him. Yeah, because yeah. you, in order to do these kinds of things, these are all going to require you to give some time. None of these really happen with zero time. Um, yeah, they, I don't they, think they, they just, none of them can. And so this is an opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to deny what my flesh might want, or I, I'm going to des- I'm going to deny the easiest thing to do, which could be like a, you get off work on a Thursday, which is usually when nights of worship are. And you have the conflict between like, do I want to just grab fast food, 
and go home and watch Netflix and crash and just turn my brain off? Or do I want to do the kind of thing, I want to discipline myself enough to do something that I know is going to reinforce my bond with God? Um, And I loved what you were saying about, about, I I, I guess a word could be, uh, would be sort of a mindfulness in worship that when you're... I was thinking the exact same thing you're When you're standing with your fellow brothers and sisters uh, singing on the weekend at one of our services, or if you're... You know, if you're singing along, watching online, or wherever you do, or at your local church, um, if you find yourself standing there or sitting there, depending on how how it's being done, <laughs> yeah, sure, um, and you just feel like your mouth is moving and you're kind of somewhere else, it's kind of evidence that like the body is engaged in the worship, but the real you, mm-hmm. you're really not. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage you to try to make sure that you are directing your focus to God during times of worship. Um, so when you're singing, think about the words. Yeah, almost meditate every, on those. Almost every song of worship I can think of is a prayer. It's what it is, and yeah. so it's really just engaging it as a prayer. It's not just saying the words and it being a lip service. Right? Is it's offering these words up to God and really meaning them? Yeah. Um. You know, and it, it might be that you can think of like your favorite songs and find those lyrics. Uh, print them out or something like that and pray through them, r- r- really get to know them so yeah. that next time they come up on the weekend or whatever, you can fully engage with what it's saying. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Uh, I have Off a few things. Right I have there. a few <laughs> things that are going on in my mind right now, but I think we should, we'll save that for a conversation wise. with someone on the worship arts team yeah, yeah. coming up. Um, anyway, I don't want to waste it now. <laughs> uh, moving on, let's talk about silence and solitude. <clears throat> yeah. And kind of encapsulated with silence and solitude is the the idea of meditation, which we teach in class 201. Mm-hmm. Um, meditation is focused thought. So it means you're giving your attention in a in a conscious way to someone or something or that, that sort of idea. But silence and solitude is one of the unsung disciplines of the Christian life. And and really? so many of the other disciplines depend on silence and solitude. So for example, the the habit of a daily quiet time, you know, through you know, Bible reading and prayer. There's a there's an element of silence and solitude that's found in that. So for many disciplines, silence and solitude is sort of the bedrock that those other disciplines are built on a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture that is, and not to toot this old horn, because <laughs> we've all heard this said a million times. Like, Say it again, Doug. <laughs> I'm not going to get into like our digital culture and our cell phones. Yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to, do I need to say all that again? I don't think I do. We all know that there is fierce competition for our time and for our attention. That's what it all comes down to. And the decision that we make as followers of Jesus is whether or not we're going to give, we're going to make sure that we carve out a first place position for God in our time, uh, or are we going to let him squeeze in wherever the the gaps may be? Are we going to, basically, are we going to put him first or last? It's really what it comes down to. So silence and solitude is a challenge for us, um, partly because we are in in a saturated culture where like you never have to you never have to be bored. You never have to sit quietly if you don't want to. Like yeah. if you sit in a waiting room for a couple minutes, like people can't stand to just sit and look around. I or was, even flip through a magazine. They gotta whip their phone out, you know, yeah. and they'll think, Wait, let's not go down that. I said we do, wouldn't do that. I don't wanna <laughs> go down the well, phones are bad thing. No, it's not it's I've not, got mine. It's not that course. phones are bad. I was just gonna say I had the same conver- exact conversation with our boss Rob, who who you've all met, um, just yeah. the other day, where I was telling him, you know, I get in the. I live five minutes from uh, from the office. Just just for disclosure, I, you know. But I get in the car in the morning, and I immediately either put on the radio or some music or a podcast or whatever. And yeah. I listen to it for the five minutes. And I told I told I told Rob I was like, 
that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't need to do that. Can't even handle I can, that. <laughs> I can spend that five minutes or six minutes, whatever it is, you know, in silence and just yeah. talking with God, just yeah. starting the day, you know, just talking with God. I've already had quiet time, but I can still just spend that five minutes. I don't yeah. need to listen to something that I'm only going to get five minutes out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt so ridiculous, but it's like true. Yeah. And um, so, so I've been I've been much better about that since that Good. conversation. But Wait, still, thank you, you, thank you. Yeah, it it can be tough because we just live in a we also live in a in a Western culture which has a very we approach time as a finite resource. So we 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 sort of. We, we regiment our time and we let it all get eaten up and sometimes we don't prioritize things properly so yeah. God never gets a place like we've we've cut the pie and we've given the pie out to everybody and there's just nothing but crumbs left God for God at the, the end sli- of the day yeah, exactly. which is either that tiny sliver slice that you forgot you had one more guest than you anticipated so you split that last slice or into two just the burnt like, you're on a <laughs> diet right <laughs> that kind of thing but uh, yeah PC don't want yeah so silence and, tol- and solitude is is huge and, and go ahead you're like you're chomping at the bit. Well, Go. I know. I just wanted to clarify on that too. It's often, I think it's a misunderstood one because yeah. oftentimes we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but that, um, that it does not mean that you have to go and isolate yourself from the world yeah. for, you know, for forever in order yeah. to only engage your soul. And that's the way to be spiritually healthy. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's not what God is saying. Right. Um, obviously it's clear in the Bible since nobody did that in the Bible, Yeah. that that's not what he wants. So, um, so don't think that it has to be that you have to go live in a cave. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Not at all. Um, Jesus certainly did not give us that example to yeah. follow at all. <clears throat> so things you can do in, in silence and solitude, cause I know you're probably thinking like, what do I do? Just go like close the door of my closet and sit there quietly and tell the kids to keep it down or something. Uh, no, uh, it really, the idea is that you just want to withdraw to a quiet place where you can, you can be as free of distractions as possible. Again, you're trying to align, you're kind of trying to align the body and soul with God a little bit. And so in order to align the soul with God, sometimes we have to just get the body into a place where it's a little bit more free of distractions and stuff. And with some time and experience, you might get better at sort of just filtering out the distractions that are around you. I have a feeling Jesus was extremely good about this. Um, I have a feeling he was able to, and I think we see glimpses of this, where he was able to kind of filter out. He could be surrounded with chaos and still be perfectly centered with his heavenly father and know exactly what to do and what to say. He had the bond that was that tight. In fact, I would even say that uh, the more quality times of silence and solitude you have with God, the more able you are to maintain your center and your focus when you're in times of chaos and difficulty. Totally. Right. So, so the strength that you gain from silence and solitude, a time of reflection and meditation with God, is something that strengthens you for the challenges of life and makes it possible for you to handle the noise just a little bit better and in a much more even-handed way. So you don't lose the voice of God in the noise because you've learned to tune your ear to that. Rick's talked about that a lot. Yeah, Tom actually talked, not to mention another Tom message, uh, but, but it, you is just a, love it is him. another Tom message. Um, uh, in in uh, April, he shared a message uh, where he's talking about um, living the promises of God. Mm. And he's, he, and his second point is to start small. Start with, start with little ways that you can grow into that. Yeah. And, um, and his first point under that was to listen carefully. Yeah. And you can't listen carefully if you're not being silent. Yeah, it's tough. You know, and, and giving God the time to, you know, and space to talk with you. I talk about that when I teach in 201, is that, you know, God wants to talk to you, yeah. but, but if you don't give him the time of day, 
he can't get a word in, right? So, and just don't fool yourself into thinking that you're going to become a wondrously mature believer if you're not doing those kinds of disciplines. Because Jesus, the absolute mega man of God, like the ultimate, (laughs) the penultimate man of God, the man who was God, even he did these practices. So, so none of us get off the hook for this. Like, none of us can say, "Well, I don't need that," because if Jesus needed it, you best believe you need it too, and so do I. Um, So. Uh, in silence and solitude, it's a great time to listen to God. We'll talk more in future episodes about what that means. It's a, it's an opportunity to meditate and just kind of ponder and even just ask God. Like we had some time this morning as a team where we just went off and had some quiet time. And I just sat in a park and I just said, God, what do you want to tell me today? And my mind kind of went in a few dif- different directions and I just sort of kind of went along for it. But I sat there quietly, mm-hmm. except for those stupid geese, which I don't know why God made Canada geese. They're terrible. You had geese. I had the heat. I was out at the lake, and it was hot. I was in the shade, and it was great, but the geese were just going crazy, and then a lady started feeding them, and they got even more vocal. <laughs> it was challenging, but more proof that if you want if you want to enjoy uh, a close bond with God, you need silence and solitude to do that. Try to get yourself free of distractions. So cultivating gratitude in times of silence and solitude is a great start, yeah. uh, helping you just focus on the good things that God has done. It helps. It's, it's actually an attitude of worship mm-hmm. where you're giving God glory for the great things that he's done and all that he is in your life. Uh, and then, as we've already said, listening to God's voice. So asking him to speak and being ready to hear. And uh, you just might find, in fact, I believe you will find, that your connection with God and your ability to hear his voice increases. And pretty soon you'll find yourself able to listen to God uh, around the clock. And it gets yeah. a lot easier to sense his direction and his moving with things. Uh, and if we need any further proof, we already mentioned Jesus did this. Luke five sixteen. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There you go. So Jesus was the model. Yeah. Uh, next one is fasting. This is one of the, I think one of the unsung heroes of the spiritual, of the spiritual discipline world. And did you just say that about silence and solitude? There are a lot of unsung heroes. I mean, it is there another are, one. It's there, true. There are a lot of heroes that aren't being sung. Familiar. <laughs> Sing of it. <laughs> Sing of it. Yes, fasting is extremely important. Uh, and uh, I love, we actually did a churchwide fast last year, which is really great. And so what we're going to do, uh, there's a lot of confusion about fasting. We, you get on the subject, and you're like, okay, I don't eat for a while, or I don't eat certain things for a while. Is and is, is that it? it? Is like, it how long? What's the point of that? Like, what does not eating do for me spiritually? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what we're going to do is we're going to link up in the show notes. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we'll have it in the description. We'll give you a link to Pastor Rick's fasting guide that he gave out to our church when we did that fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has now been long enough since that all church fast has happened that if you're listening, it's time to do another fast. You're due. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, I would definitely, definitely plan to do that. A fast is a really, I think, palpable example of what it means to deny the body. In, in the benefit of the soul. It's it's pure, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's it's that saying, no, I'm not going to You're saying eat. body? I'm not going no. to nourish the body yeah. right now. I'm going to focus on nourishing the soul. Exactly. That's what it is. And and even the hunger that the body feels then drives you. Like I know when I'm fasting, yeah. uh, the hunger that I feel in my stomach is a constant pain. reminder of what I'm doing, a constant reminder that I'm I'm to be focusing on God today. Yeah. So, well, and, and if there's something specifically that you're fasting about, which is another way to fast, yeah. you know, and that hunger pain, then it draws me back to wanting to pray about that thing that I'm focused on. Yeah, it's, al- it's almost the, it's the, it's like the alarm clock before there were alarm clocks. Like if you ever set a reminder yeah. that says, remind me to pray every hour. Yeah. Well, you don't have to have a phone to do this Just one. Just don't eat. Your stomach, <laughs> your stomach will do it for you. We're, we're not giving it its full spiritual richness in this talk, but no, but, but read you'll the, get that. A guide, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great it's really one. From good, yeah. 
All right, why don't you take us home? All right, our final one we're going to uh, tease on today because we're going to talk about um, a lot more in a, a future episode is the idea of going on retreat. Mm. Um, so that, is, as Doug was talking about before with silence and solitude, it engages that time of silence and solitude, but kind of around a specific topic or idea. So we have a retreat ministry at Saddleback Church. We have the retreat center down um Edric Capistrano. Um, so we have that time and space that people can go on on specific a specific retreats yeah. and spend this intentional time down there doing that. But retreat itself is just this concept that even if you can't get down to the ranch for whatever reason, you can still go on retreat yourself yeah. and just spend some time, intentional time, focused on the to- a topic like like rest or or uh, prayer or, or silence and solitude. Silence and solitude is yeah. one of our retreats. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just intentional time away focused on a certain topic or subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk a lot about uh, that in a future episode, but f- um, we did want to leave you guys with something doable that you can do regarding this. And one easy thing that you guys can do so easy. is a journey with Jesus. So we plug this a lot around Easter time. And um, it's just, it's a great, it, it's a, uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, it is a uh, art installation trail that we do have at the retreat center um, down at, at Rancho Capistrano that is open all year round. So if you're in the area, just go down there sometime yeah. and walk the trail. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to make an Nothing. appointment. It's just open from sunrise to sunset. You're welcome to go down there. Um, there are 15 art pieces uh, that chronicle the last few hours uh, of Jesus' life. Yeah. And you just, it's a really impactful time. So it's its a great way to engage in this. And if you don't live in the area, there's still some other ways that you can do it. We actually just released a Journey with Jesus app this year, uh, which was a really cool thing. So Pastor Rick recorded um, audio for the app where he walks through the trail, basically, and yeah. teaches through all the different installations. Uh, so that app is available on both iPhones and Android devices. Um, you can just search a journey with Jesus on your app store or, or whatever. Um, and it's there and you can listen to it. It has the pictures of all the installations. It has the verses and stuff that go along with it. So that's a great way to do it. Or if you want to, if you're like, Oh, I really want to see it and experience the ranch, but I can't go. I live far away. We have a solution for you too. <laughs> so glad you asked. We shot the trail in 360 degree video. So you can actually go on our YouTube channel uh, for Saddleback Church and you can do the whole trail shot in 360 degrees. So it's like you're standing right there at each installation. You can look around, you can see the lake. Yes, there's a lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can listen to Pastor Rick through that as well. Um, so there's a few great ways that you can do this. And, and you can access all of them by going to the web address. Did you give that already? I did not give that already. Um, so Here's your chance. Go to, <laughs> well, you can access it also through saddleback.com slash journey with Jesus gives you base, you know, the list of every every possible way that you can enjoy the trail. Yeah. So it's just, a, it's a nice way to do it. Um, I, I, I need to plug that Pastor Rick said it was the most spiritually enriching thing he's done in years. Yeah. He was constantly in tears when, when we he were recording recorded the, the audio. Yeah. It was, it's phenomenal. So yeah. um, again, it's a super easy thing that you guys can do and just spend time on retreat, on purposeful retreat yeah. with this. Yeah. So if you want to get doable, with the the soul aspect of your personal health, go and do journey with Jesus some way or other this week. Make sure you do that. It's yeah. it's it's so, super easy. It doesn't take a ton why of your not? time. Just why not do it? Go there in person. 
experience it remotely through one of the ways that we've given you to do that. And I know that it will uh, it will increase the bond between you and and your father. Uh, let's wrap it up here. We've got lots more to talk about in coming weeks. Uh, we're going to have a special guest from the worship arts team next time, so you don't want to miss that. Make sure you're here with us and experience it. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows, your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.